0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Matthew Talks About Sport podcast. I'm Matthew and this episode I'm joined by my father, David. Um, We're going to be talking about all things AFL, NRL and cricket. So welcome back to the show, Dad. It's great to have you on.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be here today.
0: Yes, and uh, as I said, AFL, NRL, cricket. But uh, before we get into that, I'm going to go through my sports wrap. Uh, so over the weekend, there were quite a few things in sport. Uh, in the motorsport, the F1, there was a, a sprint weekend uh, at the Austrian uh, Grand Prix. Uh, that race was uh, won by Charlotte, Leclerc, who managed to overtake Verstappen three times on the track. Uh, to uh, win overall, Verstappen having some issues with tyre degradation, and uh, Ricardo was back in the points again. Uh, in the supercars, uh, they went up to uh, Townsville, uh, which was quite a, a fun circuit to watch. Uh, Van Gisbergen walked away with both of those races. Uh, and then in the, uh, in the tennis, uh, the, the Wimbledon uh, slam recently happened. And uh, in the the men's singles, uh, Kyrgios managed to make his way to uh, the final, which was um, quite uh, an interesting point. Uh, But Djokovic uh, managed to beat him in that final. Uh, But now we're going to move on to the AFL. Um, So starting with uh, last Thursday's game between Geelong and Melbourne, and Geelong were uh, were just too good for the Demons. Uh, what did you what do you think of this game, Dad?
1: Exactly what you just said. Uh, Geelong were too good for them on the night. The the Demons have hit a little bit of a a mid season slump, but I think Geelong really set themselves for this game. Uh, obviously Melbourne are the team to beat in this year's competition. Uh, they thumped Geelong in the preliminary final last week, and so. I think that they were setting themselves for this game and they played accordingly. It was at Geelong's home game. Uh, Geelong had a plan. They executed really well and ended up with a, a, a good a good victory, which has uh, catapulted them to the top of the ladder. And so, uh, it, uh, you know, they're, they're in uh, a good position at the moment, uh, looking forward to the game. Geelong versus Carlton on Saturday night but the Geelong Melbourne game uh, full credit to Geelong they played very well and uh, and have really consolidated their their form over the past few weeks.
0: I think that was good for Geelong still managed to score 91 points despite Hawkins and Cameron uh, being a good, bit quiet. Melbourne's defenders um, really did a good job on uh, on those two but Geelong's defenders were too strong up the other end and in the midfield it was dominant from Geelong Tom Atkins put in a brilliant game uh Paddy Dangerfield was again he's just having a in you know a great comeback from injury in great form Duncan and Guthrie uh were doing some good running uh through the middle and uh for these two teams they uh, both have um you know in interesting uh runs home particularly this week uh they're both playing teams that you'd assume they're better than but they still could be danger games uh Geelong play Carlton at the MCG and Melbourne play uh, Port Adelaide and i believe that game is up in uh Alice Springs um so with with these two um with these two uh Games this week, uh, do, do you think there's uh, a chance for an upset in those two games? And, you know, how how do you see this game affecting uh, Geelong and Melbourne's form going into the, the rest of the season?
1: Well, uh, obviously I've got a, a personal interest in the Carlton-Geelong game. Uh, I hope Carlton play at their best. You know, I think Geelong at their best beat Carlton at their best but if Geelong are slightly off and Carlton are in form, then uh, that's going to really make that game very interesting. Uh, the Carlton-Geelong game is going to be a battle of forwards. So you've got the, the competition leading forward duo of Hawkins and Cameron versus the second-rankers, which is uh, Charlie Curnow and Harry Mackay. And, uh, and so if either of those forward combinations get on top in the game, that could go a, a long way to deciding... Uh, at that point you have to think well uh, the the Carlton back line is still under man there is some whispering going around that Mitch McGovern might be back this week uh, and it was good to have Wieter in back last week so they're a little bit stronger there uh, but really I think if Carlton are going to win they have to dominate the midfield and, and create the forward 50 opportunities Uh but, you know, Geelong have won seven in a row. They're, they're sort of, you know, I reckon it's around about this time of year that the cream rises to the top. And so uh, I think they've now become the team to beat. So I would expect that they would start favourites over Carlton. And uh, I'll be pleasantly surprised if the result goes Carlton's way. As for the Melbourne Port game, I think this is probably one week where Melbourne are really regretting that this is the round that they've taken away from their home ground because, they just need to win, and taking it to Alice Springs really evens that contest up much more than it needs to be. Uh, I think Melbourne are a better side than Port Adelaide, although Clayton Oliver will be out because he, he has a busted thumb. Uh, um, so that that the, the fact that it's in Alice Springs and that Clayton Oliver's out really brings Port into the contest. Uh, Melbourne should win, but they're just off the boil at the moment. So they're going to have to snap out of that in the next couple of weeks to, to, to have it run into the finals. So, you know, it's an intriguing game. Uh, look, I'd probably tip Melbourne as a favourite because uh, it'd just be loath to tip against them in any game at the moment. However, uh, I would not be surprised if Port sneaked through an upset here.
0: Yeah, it'll be an interesting week uh for, for Melbourne definitely having lost four of their last six games. Um Moving on to the, the rest of the round, we're going to skip over the Sydney Bulldogs game, but that was a good performance from Sydney, getting the job done, winning 120-67. to 67. And on Saturday afternoon, there were two very interesting games. One game looks like there would be a huge upset, but then Collingwood got over the top of North. And then the other game, the opposite happened, where it looked like Richmond would have a routine win against Gold Coast. And then a, a really good fourth quarter from the Suns got them over the line against Richmond in a massive upset. Uh, so what were your thoughts on these two games, Dad?
1: Well, I felt sad for North Melbourne. They had a 26, 27-point lead at three-quarter time against Collingwood, and then they just stopped. So, yeah, full credit to Collingwood. We saw some of that last quarter, and the ball was just buried inside Collingwood's forward 50. North Melbourne didn't look for a moment, like they'd get it out of there. And, uh, you know, Collingwood also have a, a winning run going. I think they also ha- have won seven games. And North Melbourne are just objectively poor this year. Uh, so it was, you know, it was disappointing for North Melbourne to, to let that one slip when they had a great opportunity uh, to pinch one. Uh, the Gold Coast game, uh, Noah Anderson lived out every boy's dream of kicking a winning goal after the siren. And in fact, Gold Coast kicked about four goals in the last sort of 10 minutes or so to, to rattle home against Richmond. It did look like Richmond had that uh, well and truly in the bag. Uh, can I, I think they led by 40 points at one stage early in the game.
0: Yeah, it was 40
1: in
0: the third yeah, quarter. Yeah, but
1: also, was. also want to give credit to, oh, I can't remember his name, but a Gold Coast defender uh, came across, uh, I think it was Castagna for Richmond, was running into an open goal and they still had about a three-goal lead and the Gold Coast defender managed to to get across and smother the kick off the boot, which was just an amazing piece of defensive play. And you look back at that and think, you know, that was as much a winning play as the kicking the goal after the siren was because uh, it just kept, kept them alive. Richmond kicked that goal. The game's buried. Uh, but, you know, Gold Coast, they've, they've, they've had a little unlucky run. The previous two games they've lost by under a goal both times. I mean, you know, both, you know, had their opportunities to win it. This time it went their way. Which I'm really pleased about. They've just re-signed Stuart Dew, their coach for another two years. So that would have been a feel good a feel good win for them. And it consigned Richmond to two losses out of their last three games. So they're sort of back in the battle to um, you know, those teams are going to finish in the bottom half of the eight. They're back in that battle now rather than poking their head up for a top four finish.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that Gold Coast player was Charlie Ballard. He definitely deserves a lot of praise for that uh, s- uh, smother on uh, on Jason Castagna. And um, yeah, it's just Richmond, they seem like a bit of a team where once things uh, kind of stop going their way, they don't know what to do. Um, it was a similar result this time last year where Gold Coast beat uh, Richmond and that almost forced them uh, out of the top eight. Uh, but now we're going to, Um, Look ahead to next week, briefly. Um, Collingwood play Adelaide. You'd assume they'd get over the line there. Uh, North Melbourne play Richmond. I really hope that the new coach phenomena kicks in and North Melbourne get a win, Um, but uh, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, Gold Coast have a game against Essendon. It's in Melbourne, but if they can... Uh, win this game, they might be a sneaky chance for finals. It really comes down to if they can win the games, they should. They then will probably have to beat one of either Brisbane or Geelong to really secure that spot. But they have a clear path to 12 wins right now, which is good for them. Um, Looking to the other games in the round, uh, the Saturday night games, um, Frio had a really good win over St Kilda, so they're now uh, equal first in terms of wins with Geelong and Melbourne and Port Adelaide just destroyed GWS. Uh, Then moving on to the Sunday, Essendon beat Brisbane by 10 points. Seems like an upset, but Brisbane had a lot of players out, although they still probably wasted a couple of chances to win this game. Hawthorne notched up their 1,000th win against Adelaide on the weekend, which is this week's stat of the week. They are the first expansion club to get 1,000 wins, uh, obviously joining about uh, 28 years after uh, the, the VFL was formed. Um, although a lot of the foundation clubs have a 1,000 wins like your Essendon, Collingwood, um, Carlton, Geelong. um, Actually, I might have to double-check that. I think Richmond might as well, and they're technically an expansion club. Um, but the, the last game we're going to talk about this round is West Coast versus Carlton. And, uh, well, based on the first and fourth quarters, Carlton just looked incredibly dominant. Second and third, West Coast had a chance. Um, it's the first time in about 100 years that a team's gone uh, scoreless in the first and last quarters. Um, obviously, you're a Carlton fan, Dad. It seems like a great win. What do you think of it?
1: Uh <laughs> There's, there's so many layers here. Uh, firstly, on face value, a win by 63 points. It's the first time in uh, at least eight years that Carlton have had a 10 goal win. So, yay, uh, very good. The first and fourth quarters combined was 80 nil to Carlton. Uh, but as we've seen with Carlton, they can be quite inconsistent. And so, the second quarter, for example, they lost that uh, seven goals to three, and West Coast roared back into, into the game after Carlton led 34 nil at half time. But what I was pleased about was that uh, Carlton's resilience uh, and uh, they continued to just push. And uh, uh, I think that's a credit to them. You sort of see how they've matured as the season's unfolded before us. Uh, Obviously, they they came into the season uh, better than they were last year, and I think they've gotten better further as the season's gone on. And so to pick up a a 10-goal win in Perth, even though West Coast are are really struggling, I think is excellent. Uh, It was lovely to see the two twin towers up front, and Mackay, pick up five goals each. And, you know, they both squandered a couple of opportunities. They both kicked five goals, three. And, uh, yeah, it was was a very pleasing win um, for them. So they would have enjoyed the the plane flight home uh, very much.
0: Yeah, it's always satisfying when you you go um you know um all the way across the other side of the country and then come home uh with with the points with the chocolates and uh you know a, a bit of a percentage boost in the bag. Um, now looking at the games uh this week in uh in the AFL, there's two games of note. Firstly, Friday night Bulldogs St Kilda, and there's an element of this is an elimination final where uh, whoever loses probably can say goodbye to, to finals hopes this year. Uh, and then the Saturday night, Freo versus Sydney, that's a top eight clash. Uh, Freo's in the top four, Sydney's in the bottom half of the eight. They're, you know, both having decent seasons. Um, What do you think of these games uh, coming up, Dad?
1: Western Bulldogs versus St Kilda is going to be one of those get your popcorn out, sit in front of the TV and watch it and enjoy it. Uh, Both teams play a a good brand, a a watchable brand of football. But both teams are sort of, uh, you know, ninth and tenth on the ladder. So uh, it really is the traditional kind of eight-point game here. Uh, Particularly if St Kilda can win, that would really hurt the Bulldogs' chances of making finals. Uh, I don't know the recent history between the two teams to, to sort of hazard a guess. Uh, I think St Kilda have probably played better football across the year, so I think I'll tip them. Uh, But this is going to be a really intriguing game. Uh, The Fremantle-Sydney game, it's in Perth. I would expect Fremantle to win that. I'd be really surprised if Sydney did win. I think Sydney's football is still a little bit inconsistent, and while Fremantle have had one or two off games, I think overall... They're in very good shape and I think this will be a game where they sort of uh, stamp their, uh, not so much authority, but sort of stamp their credential as a top four team whereas Sydney is a uh, fifth or eighth team, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's uh, certainly some interesting games these team these matchups uh, delivered last year. Uh, so in the case of the Bulldogs uh, versus uh, St Kilda, they haven't played each other yet this year. Last year when they played each other, it was that game when the Bulldogs beat St Kilda by over a hundred points uh, in round nine. St Kilda just looked shocking that night. Um, one hundred and forty-four to thirty-three. Um, that was actually the Bulldogs' second 100-point win of the season. Um, this reminds me a bit of Freo versus Geelong 2018, where Geelong put on 23 unanswered goals. And then when they played in 2019, um, Freo were just – they were mad and they just killed Geelong. Um, so there's some interesting stuff there. Last year, Sydney against Freo. Uh, in round 10, Freo uh, got a classic two-point win against the Swans, Nat 5 kicking the winning goal. Uh, And then a a, a rush behind for Sydney. Um, If I recall correctly, there was a a bit of a scramble there and the Freo player rushed it over the line and managed to, you know, get the ball back for, for the Dockers. And the second game, those two games, uh, those two teams played uh, last year, Sydney beat Freo comfortably by 40 points. Um, So there's certainly some interesting things going on there. Uh, I think, both games are as close to 50-50 as we're going to get this week, although St Kilda and Freo are probably more favourites. But uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to look into. Um, but that's going to bring us to the end of the AFL segment. Do you have anything left to say about uh, the topics of AFL for this week, Dad?
1: Uh, just that every week there's, uh, there are three or four games that have a massive impact on the eight. So the top four is far from settled. We've got three teams sort of equal first, followed by another three teams coming fourth, fifth and sixth. Uh, and then there's sort of, you know, up to 12 teams still could make the, the eight. So each each game has or each week has uh, big ramifications on who's going to make finals. So it's, it's just thrilling. I've really enjoyed this season. Uh, Because it's so competitive and, uh, yeah, it's it's fabulous viewing. Uh, Looking forward to another round when it comes around in a couple of days.
0: Yeah, it absolutely has been. Uh, Next up, we're going to move on to the NRL. And uh, that's had some interesting results due to Origin. Uh, Some interesting results that uh, might be using Origin as an excuse for uh, the teams that have lost. Um, and so last week was obviously a buy round origin is tonight. We're not going to talk about that on this episode, but there, there is a state of origin special that will come out soon. That's in the works. Um, but with the uh, the NRL last week, there are only four games, some interesting results. Um, and I mean, starting with the first game, Sharks just came and rocked the storm. They won 28 to six. Storm never looks like winning. Uh, and that was, you know, their try came in the 77th minute um, and, uh, and after a Shark bin too. Um, this is the Storm's fifth loss for the season. It's their second in two weeks. Um, what's happening with the Storm, Dad? They, they seem in bad form right now.
1: I have uh, dropped off the pace a little bit. I think Origin can do that to the top team sometimes when they, they lose a lot of players. And so... Uh, a game like this is sort of hard to work out what to do with. Uh, you know, the Sharks have been in reasonable form this year, but the Storm have uh, obviously uh, had some injury worries and, uh, and and during origin time they, they struggle a bit. Uh, the previous week I think is more of a concern when um, Manly ended up only winning 36-30, but the Storm did score about four tries in the last 10 minutes. So uh, that game was uh, a much wider gap than what the scoreboard reflected at the end. So, yeah, definitely some issues there for the Storm to sort out. They've got the super coach, Craig Bellamy, who's been there for a long time now. Uh, he'll, he'll be working that out, and and I would expect them to to bounce back over the next few weeks and sort of regain some momentum going into the finals. Uh, so I wouldn't be too concerned yet, uh, just because it's origin time, and that sort of tends to mess with with some of the teams. So, oh, yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah. They want to
1: change it pretty quickly in the next couple of
0: weeks. Yeah, yeah, they will want to change some things. Uh, it's, you know, a bit worrying, but not too worrying yet. Uh, the Storm play the Raiders this week, who are currently in 11th. You'd assume they get that win. The Sharks, however, have a really interesting game uh, against the Cowboys, which will end up being a top four clash and we'll we'll get to you know where some of the the teams competing for the top 4 and top 8 are in a bit uh, moving on to the rest of the round um there there wasn't too many surprises um there were some games that looked like an upset was coming but then the better team won so the rabidos uh, ended up comfortably beating the knights 40 to 28 uh, seven tries to five um, the knights were looking good at one point it was uh 16 to 6 uh, but then the the Rabideaus just overran them uh in a in a spell of three tries before half time one straight after it and uh from there the game was put to bed uh and Parramatta similar game against the Tigers Tigers get the opening two tries Para get three in the 10 minutes before half time one just after half time and they're able to ice the game from there uh and then with the the Broncos Dragons game um a, that just uh, looked like the Broncos would win uh, from the start and uh, I believe that that game actually forced uh, the Dragons out of the eighth. So they're now uh, down into ninth and Manley's jumped them. Uh, what did you think of these three games, Dad?
1: Yeah, well, I think they were all pretty similar where the, the team that lost got away to a good start had a had a bit of a lead. And then the the, the winning team or the better team uh, came, came home over the top. Uh, I think uh, you know the Rabideau's supporters will be pleased that they they look like they regained some of their scoring sort of potential that they've had in recent years. I think they've struggled a bit without Adam Reynolds there uh, to do that consistently. So they've rattle up 40, but then you think, well, it was against the Knights, so how much does that count? I don't know. Maybe put 30 on Parramatta the week before, so they've had a good fortnight. Uh, Parramatta, Continue their hot and cold season, and uh, you just never know with Parramatta what you're going to get from week to week. So, um, you know, they lost to the West Tigers earlier in the year when the Tigers hadn't won a game yet. The Tigers led 12 0 halfway through the first half, and you think, oh, here we go again. And then all of a sudden, Parramatta spring back into action, get out to a very decent lead, and then let the Tigers score twice again at the end to sort of tighten it all back up again. So, they're they're frustrating to watch at the moment. They they're so hot and cold. They need consistency. The Broncos have been consistently solid through the year, and so you'd expect on their home deck they would beat the Dragons, and they did. So well done them. Uh, you know the Dragons are still very competitive for that that sort of bottom bottom part of the eight that they could easily uh, could could make. But um yeah.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an uh, an interesting, uh, you know, little run home in uh, in the NRL, which we're going to uh, look at a bit now. So it seems as if Penrith are in the clear three games ahead, um, having uh, finished the buy rounds in that sort of form. Um, and they, they just look unbeatable. They've only lost one game the whole year. Um, looking down from there, Cowboys, Storm and Sharks uh, looking good in the top four. The Broncos, Eels, maybe Bunnies could push them. Uh, but then there's a bit of a fight uh, underneath there seagulls dragons roosters and raiders are fighting for the top 8 and then the rest of the teams are having a, a pretty poor season um how do how do you see some of these top 4 and top 8 battles going on for the rest of the year dad
1: well it's a bit like the afl there's uh, there's there's lots of uh, lots of opportunity for changes there the the top 4 race is far from complete. I think the Broncos and Parramatta in particular are still very strong chances of, of making the top four if they can play consistently over the, the, the back end of the season. Uh, I think Manly and the, and the Rabbitohs seem to be on an upward trajectory, so they'd be, they, they'd be keen to cement their place in the eight. Uh, the Dragons have been better than I thought they would be this year. So they're still sniffing around, and the Roosters. I'm just always loath to write them off. You think seven and nine, but, you know, probably a long way from the eight, but just because of their reputation, they're only two points outside. Uh, you know, they could still um, cause damage, and you know, I wouldn't. I, I, the Roosters are a team that I don't know if I'd want to play them in the in the finals, but. You know, you look at some of the teams and think, well, you know, any game in the finals is going to be hard. So just making it's going to be a good thing. Uh, it looks to me like probably a, a year when you you do want top four, so you can get a second crack at it. Because I think there's no sort of standout apart from Penrith. There's not a lot of standout teams that you think are oh, they'll definitely win in in the finals. And
0: yeah, I expect yeah.
1: that even that you know the bottom four teams in the finals w- will there'll be one or two upsets, I suspect, as the finals go through.
0: Yeah, it's the sort of situation where you expect Penrith to make the grand final, and it's going to be really interesting to see who's going to be the other team to get there and how they get there and the upsets they cause along the way. But then once you're in the grand final, like it's one game, it can really go either way. Um, And, you know, maybe Penrith will come out and win 40-0, Maybe there'll be an upset, but it's going to be uh, an interesting one to watch over the next few months. But that'll bring us to the end of the NRL segment of the the podcast. Um, do you have any uh, final things to say about that, Dad?
1: No, it's just that over the next week or two. Once the Origin dust settles and uh, teams get back into the the week to week grind. Uh, you know, all focus will then come down to September, and you know, they'll have a month or six weeks to, to get ready. And you know, I expect there'll be plenty of excitement and, and a few changes in that sort of top 10 or 12 positions on the ladder. So be fun to watch,
0: yeah, it will be fun to watch. Uh, but now we're going to move on to uh, the cricket segment, and uh, starting with test cricket, uh, we've had a, a disappointing a oh, uh, disappointing second test against Sri Lanka after a pretty good first test. It's the first time in six years uh, Australia has lost by an innings um and, and it's it's disappointing because Labashane and Smith both got uh good hundreds on day one but uh, Sri Lanka were just too good for us. Uh, what do you think of this uh, test match and um, how Australia is going in in the test uh scene right now?
1: But to be honest, it's the first time in a while that Australia's put in a really disappointing effort. Uh, I think they they probably didn't capitalise on day one as much as they should have. Yeah, it was very pleasing to see Smith and Lavashain both pick up hundreds, but I think the rest of the batting lineup let the team down. There was no there was no one else that sort of got in, and it looked to be a reasonable batting deck after the Sri Lankans got on there and batted. You know, it looked like Australia probably left at least a hundred runs out there, maybe more, and that. You know, scoreboard pressure does a, a funny thing. You know, Sri Lanka came out and batted really well, which was pleasing for them, given that they hadn't batted well in the first test. Uh, Chandamal uh, made a double hundred. It's the first time a Sri Lankan has made a double hundred against Australia. So congratulations to him. Uh, he sort of anchored the innings, and but there was plenty of support around him. And unlike the first test, when Australia seemed to pick up wickets quite regularly, uh, this time... They just couldn't, and, and Sri Lanka ended up making a very big score, which left Australia a couple of hundred runs behind, or the best part of a couple of hundred runs behind. And then, you know, you lose a wicket or two, and all of a sudden the world closes in on you, and uh, they collapse quite quickly. And uh, the, the, that third innings was very disappointing from Australia. There seemed to be very little fight. Uh, from anyone really, so they they collapsed in a heap and, and lost by an inning, so they'd be pretty disappointed with that, and that would leave them with uh lots of question marks thinking about India, uh, when they have to go there for their next test series, which is uh coming up, uh, I think it's early next year,
0: yeah, but um, yeah, it will be, uh.
1: You know the, the, the three, you know, Australia had three big test series on the subcontinent. We managed to beat Pakistan 1 0 in a, a fairly boring batting fest in Pakistan. Uh, these pitches here turned amazingly. Uh, one of the Sri Lankan spinners on debut picked up 12 wickets, so wow. uh, that's that's something that uh, Australia will need to consider. I think he's a left arm, uh, uh. What do you call left arm spinners? Just left arm finger spinner.
0: Left arm uh, finger so spin, the ball
1: yeah. turning away from the right hander. So I don't know if there's something there that the Australians need to seriously work on. Uh, um, but, you know, so that test series finished one all. They retain they retain the, the worn Murali trophy. And uh, so they, you know, they'd be happy not to have lost the, the series in the subcontinent, but uh, there's still plenty of work to do. Uh, to knock
0: over India next year. Yeah, it definitely shows that Australian batting uh, still can't handle spin in Asia. Uh, And just one more uh, topic before we finish off, T20 World Cup in October. Uh, The the qualifiers for that are happening right now and there's some interesting things going on. So the the top 12 teams from last year's World Cup are through, so Australia is safe. And these teams, once they get to the World Cup, They'll probably play three games and then go home. Um, they might not end up playing in the the round Australia's in. Uh, but interestingly enough, the United States have won their last two games. Um, so they're, they're through to the semi finals for this. And if they can win their semi final, then they're going to be playing in a T20 World Cup, which is very interesting. United States in a Cricket World Cup is a real possibility. Uh, they're going to have to beat uh, a team from group B um, so if they lose it's probably going to be the Netherlands if they win it'll probably be Uganda or Papua New Guinea and that's quite an interesting thing going on that um, you know you wouldn't expect them but they've recently uh, introduced or they're about to introduce major league cricket over there which I believe is a T20 comp and there's going to be uh, some interesting moves there as cricket uh, moves on Um, and, you know, more countries become cricketing nations. So that's quite an interesting point. Um, Do you you have anything to say about that, Dad?
1: Uh, To be honest, I wasn't really aware of that tournament. But uh, just listening to the nations that you mentioned there, you know, the Netherlands have been in a couple of uh, one-day competitions before in, in terms of World Cups. But I would never associate Uganda or Papua New Guinea or the United States with a cricket tournament. So that'll be interesting to see if one of those teams can win through. Uh, you would yeah. have to think that if cricket is ever going to take a hold in the United States it'll be the t20 format. Uh, so that I'd almost be keen to see it because you think you know just imagine the boost that that would give cricket if the United States were competing at a World Cup and even if they got smashed, you know it might just stimulate the interest in the United States that 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 could see it take off over there. and uh, that would be that would be a really intriguing scenario, I think. Uh, not that I want to diss Uganda or Papua New Guinea. Equally, it'd be good to see cricket thrive in, in any country. But, uh, yeah, that, 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 that will be intriguing to see how that unfolds and, and what teams do make it through to the, to the World Cup in a couple of months.
0: It will be another team that was in the qualifier is Singapore. And I think I've heard some good things about them. That's actually the national team that Tim David plays for. It's one of the highest played players in the IPL, but he can't get a game with Australia. So he's gone and played with them, Uh, but they had a a shocking tournament teams like Jersey where like they have a history of cricket, but since they're such a tiny, like they're not even a country, you're not really going to expect them to do well. Uh, And that's going to bring us to our last uh, segment though which is uh, the performance of the week, the shout-out of the week, someone who we think has just done really well this week. For mine, it goes to uh, Noah Anderson and Charlie Ballard uh, for their match-saving efforts in uh, the the Gold Coast-Richmond game uh, the other day. And uh, I think that's uh, really good for them. And I look forward to their careers progressing. But uh, uh, who's your performance of the week, Dad?
1: My performance of the week will go to the Sri Lankan uh, spinner who took 12 wickets on debut. I'm just looking up his name now to get a name for you.
0: Uh, Jaya Saria, I believe.
1: Yes, Jaya Surya. And uh, he took uh, six for 59 in the, in the third innings and he took six for 118 in the first inning. So uh, he's my player of the week. Now, what a stunning way to start your career. 12
0: wickets against the Aussies in one test. Yeah, it was great. Uh, There's an interesting thing with maths there too. Steve O'Keefe a few years ago took six for 52 in both innings. This guy hasn't got the same uh, figures in both innings, but got the same wickets and the runs was doubled in the first innings to the second innings. So there's something for the maths nerds like me out there. That's a little fun fact for you. But that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you for joining me, Dad. It was a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thank
0: you very much. It was a pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, so, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, please tell a mate about the podcast uh, so that we can grow. Um, remember to follow us and like the stuff on that I post on Instagram. When I do, that account's been dormant for a while, uh, but I might start uh, posting about the episodes on there again. And uh, remember to keep coming back to the Matthew Talks About Sport podcast.